Hello and welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. Episode 2 of the Tasty Brew Music Podcast is a conversation with legendary American music icon John Oates, recorded in February 2018 in Kansas City during that year's Folk Alliance International Conference. John was at the conference to promote his latest musical release, Arkansas, and his written memoir, Change of Seasons. We had a lovely conversation about his full circle journey with Roots Music, feeling compelled in his later years to curate content from the 1920s and 30s American Music Catalog, and sharing some details on his recent infiltration of the Nashville music scene, all the while being warmly embraced by the Americana Roots music community. You will also hear a thoughtful duo of questions posed by my DJ sister in arms at KKFI, Casey Rausch. Enjoy episode two of the Tasty Boo Music podcast with my very special guest, John Oates. I, of course, know of your history. We're of recent, are the same vintage, actually. And um, some of the things that struck me uh, about your past was, you know, being the oldest child and grandchild and growing up with big band music and that sort of music and having that as, as an influence. My mother was a big band singer, okay. so I, I love that kind of music. Um, I'm, I'm not going to dwell or really ask you any questions about Hollow Notes, if that's okay. It's okay. I want to um, uh, focus on this new work Please. that you're doing. There are very few CDs that I listen to over and over again mm-hmm. anymore, and this is one that has really struck a chord with me. Thank you. Well, that's I, a high compliment. I appreciate that. I love uh, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I love the entire CD. Um, I was not aware when I first listened to it that there were only two originals on it. Mm-hmm. I thought that the way that you presented the music was so original. I thought it was all your original music. Wow. So okay. I am learning so much by listening to it. Thank you. Well, if you think that those songs were my originals, then you are giving me the highest of high compliments. Oh, my goodness. Because wow. they're some of, the, some of the greatest songs ever written. And uh, I could never take credit for those. But... Um, uh, I, I'll take credit for the song selection. Let's put it that way. It was curated. Curated, yes, it was. Wonderfully. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I asked during your last interview um, if you had written the liner notes because I'm kind of a liner note right, geek. Right. And as a community radio station, our mission is to educate and entertain mm-hmm. at the same time. So when I get liner notes that are like that, that are so informative and so educational. It's it's a wonderful thing to still present the information in that way. Well, I thought it was necessary with this particular kind of record because it is unusual, the song selection and the, the period of time that most of these songs come from, the late 1920s and 19, early 1930s. So uh, because it was so, uh, you know, such a, a unique period of time that, especially, f- and, I, and I did it especially for a younger generation, so that a younger generation could appreciate the fact that there was music before mm-hmm. rock and roll, um, and this, this era laid the groundwork 
for what was to become American popular recorded music. It's kind of interesting to me that we're going full circle and going back to that music and honoring it in this way. I've talked to a lot of um, young folks this afternoon at the folk DJ reception, kids that are in their 20s -hmm. and teens that are playing the Appalachian music and love and are identifying with this music but really don't know the history of Mm -hmm. it or where it came from. Um, Do you feel that this is the music you were always meant to do? Because you seem so passionate about it and so yes, it, comfortable it, it, with it, you know, it, that it's not an effort, really. Well, you know, it's surprising to the average person because they only associate me with the Hall & Oates mm-hmm. hits and the pop career. And I, I, I fully understand that because it's so, you know, it's it was pretty big and it was obviously, you know, uh, it's the thing that, you know, put you know my face and Daryl Hall on the map so but what people don't realize is that I I was playing guitar from six years old up until I met Daryl Hall when I was 19 so during that period of time what I did was play uh, traditional American music bluegrass delta blues swing uh, all sorts of things ragtime Uh, that's what I brought to the table when I first met Daryl Hall um, and then, of course, you know, by blending our, our influences and our, you know, we went off on our pop mm-hmm. tangents. Um, but now um, it coincided with um, moving to Nashville, being embraced by the Americana community and realizing I had a support system of, of sympathetic musicians who not only knew this music, but knew how to play it and how to treat it. And then all of a sudden it opened up a door for me, a creative door. And I said, Wait a minute! I can go back now to this music that that's been there all. It's been there all the time. It's kind of simmering in the Mm -hmm. background, and the fact that I've played this music for so long. I mean, I've been playing some of these songs for over fifty years. So when I play it, it's completely natural for me, and um, it and even over the years when you know during the entire uh, pop career. You know, if left to my own devices, if I were to sit on a sofa and pick up my acoustic guitar, I'd be playing a Doc Watson song or a Mississippi John Hurt song or something. I remember a friend telling me once that Dolly Parton, when she first went to Nashville, was she wanted to play bluegrass music. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's from the mountains. That's what she knew, and that's what she wanted to do. But Music Row said, you will not ever make any (laughs) money playing bluegrass, and you will make a ton of money if you play country music. And so she did, but... So she can now play bluegrass. She can play what she really well, loves to do. And so the last couple of albums that she's put out is bluegrass music, and it's fabulous. Yeah, and I'm sure she's happy as and all, all so I'm so happy for you that you got to come well, back and do this. You know, in a good way, the success of, of what I've accomplished on the commercial side has given me the artistic freedom to do whatever I want, and this is what I want to do. So, um, you know, when that happens, uh, that's, a, that's something that, the uh, you know, any creative person really... They would, you know, give anything to have that mm-hmm. opportunity to be, you know, totally creatively free. I don't have a, you know, I don't really have a record label. I mean, I have 30 Tigers helping me with this project, but there's no one telling me what to do. There's no A&R person saying, you need to do this. This is going to be a hit. This is this type, you know, no one's telling me anything. I'm doing exactly what I want, and that's the ultimate situation. There's a faded gold along the great Pleasure to meet you. Um, My question 
couple of questions that are a little bit related um, are what advice would you give your younger self <laughs> having had the journey through music that you've had and these amazing experiences between um, you know working in a collaboration setting to having these um, you know numerous top 10 and number one hits um, if you knew then what you know now what would you say to yourself and then the second part of that question is and might be the same answer but what advice would you give to younger musicians who are looking to create a sustainable life in music mm. Um, let's go backwards. Let's take the last question first, since I don't have much of a short-term memory. Um, I would the advice I'd give to any musician and creative person, uh, even though they have to have to face the challenges of today's you know digital virtual world um, and the and basically the collapse of the the old established music business, which is a good thing and maybe not so good. But um, what I would say is is you. It's the same thing that all artists have done through history. They, you, you study the people that you admire and that you like. You try, and in, in your formative years, you try to copy them. Mm -hmm. I think copying the people that you admire and you, th you consider to be good and uh, consider to have set a standard, I think by copying them, it's an insight into what it is they do and how they think and how they create. And then if you have talent and you have some originality, perhaps that is a stepping stone toward creating a sound and or a style of your own that can be uniquely original. But it will always be built upon the, the blocks, the building blocks of that the inspiration. Em emulation of, the, of your heroes. So that's what I say to do to everyone do, and then you have to work your ass off and and build an audience. You have to convince people that you're for real. You have to be committed. You have to be tough and thick-skinned in some some regard, and you have to uh, make people believe in you. How many times did you hear the the word no throughout your career, and 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 how did you overcome hearing hearing that if you did get it a lot? You know, and I, I don't say this from an egotistical point of view, and I never really heard the word no. I've been very blessed, and, you know, I, I make a joke about it. I, I've been playing since I've been a baby. I've been, you know, I was a child singer. I was one of those, my mom was a bit of a stage mom. You know, I've been on stage since I've been four years old. Um, no one ever told me I sucked, so I kept doing it. I think if someone would have started throwing things, and I probably would have reconsidered. But it's always been a good thing for me. I, but I never really sought. I never wanted to be famous. I just wanted to be good, and um, that's you know that's how that's how I judge things. Um, you know, I, I fame, fame should be a byproduct of hard work and talent and um, commitment, and it shouldn't be the goal. You know, when you start putting when you if if your goal is to be famous you're already you've already lost so um, that's just how I've been um, I've been lucky to be surrounded by great people and uh, and and you know us as, as a songwriter you know have a great collaboration with Daryl Hall over the years created a great body of work that we're really proud of but at the same time we we always looked at ourselves as two individuals working together we never looked at ourselves like the Everly brothers or the you know the to you know this this duo in fact we we don't even like the word duo because we're really not we're two individual band leaders who happen to be working together
Interesting. And I think we've, maintained, we've been able to maintain our independence that way. And we're able to now do these individual projects, such as the one I'm doing and things that he's doing, but yet we still come together and do the, the Hall & Oates show, which is really very really unique, I think, that, that we can have these individual careers that are vital and real uh, and, and also have a career together. Support each other in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So you would say to your younger self now? Um, read your contracts a little bit closer. <laughs> that would be the first thing. Um, and, what you know, I, I don't have any regrets, and I'll tell you why. And it doesn't mean there weren't really bad things and negative moments and, and challenging, uh, you know, challenges to overcome. But now that I'm older and I can look back on it in retrospect, I realize that it's, it was all those things that led me to where I am and to ma- made me who I, I am now and I'm pretty satisfied and happy with that. So even though, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, you you know, you have that, it's always that tendency to go back and, and think about your past and say, well, you know, that guy did this to me and, you know, and I'll never forgive him or I'll never forget this situation because, mm-hmm. you know, but reality, it's the mistakes that you make um, that allow you to learn and, and go forward. And and I've made plenty of mistakes and, mis- you know, and, and as I said, you know, things were done on my behalf without me knowing and all those negative things. But here again, uh, had that not happened, I, I might not be sitting right here in this room right now. I might, who knows where I might be. So, um, you know, so I, I kind of want to take the, the Zen, a little bit more Zen approach to the, the whole um, long career thing. I like that very much. Another Delta Dawn Hope worth waiting on Where that old man will flow There's a snow white cotton fields of Arkansas I started going to Nashville regularly in about 2009, 2010, when I first joined the Americana Music mm-hmm. Association. How did you, or how did Nashville establishment react to you when you first moved there? And kind of, did you ask to be included in this community, or did you just start hanging out and hoping they? I infiltrated. Yeah. I started going to Nashville in the 90s when Daryl and I basically stopped touring. Uh, we hadn't toured, we hardly, hardly toured in the 90s. And I was, you know, I still wanted to have a, a creative outlets. So I um, started going there to write songs, thinking, at first thinking I was going to write country music. Um, I was politely informed that I had no clue on how to do that once I got there. At least not by their formula. Uh, right. But I did But I did meet some really cool people and um, little by little made friends. Um, then it was in uh, the early 2000s when I decided to... Um, uh, record some solo albums and that's when I said you know I, I was going to commit to it and uh, I made my first solo album in Nashville in 207 and uh, I had a vision for that album I had a creative idea of what I wanted to do and I knew that I wanted to have musicians who really knew how to serve a song that could um, would listen to lyrics the lyric it was a lyric intensive record um, and I wanted uh, musicians who could, you know, really be sympathetic to that approach. So um, meeting a guy named Bill Vorndick, who uh, was, is a great engineer, an engineer who's engineered, you know, goes way back to Johnny Cash and things like that. And I told Bill that, um, you know, uh, when, when he and I decided to work together, I said, 
help me find the right players. So he introduced me to Sam Bush, Bela Fleck, Jerry Douglas, and a whole host of other incredible musicians who were all, I think, more curious than anything to find out what a recording session with me was going yeah, to be what like. what your chops really were. And then when yeah. they got in there and I started doing this stuff, they were like, oh, okay. And you know, needless to say, you know, they're, they're so good. And we, we bonded and we made friends. Um, and uh, it was really, it opened a door. Because in Nashville, you know, like so many places, you know, maybe your name and your reputation might get you an invite to the party but in order to stay at the party you have to be able to deliver and uh, so I delivered at least to the extent that I was invited to the next mm -hmm. party let's put it that well way. the musicians that you have surrounded yourself with some may argue are the best but not necessarily may not necessarily be the right ones for whatever it mm -hmm. is that you were wanting to do but um, the the players on this record are extraordinary. They are extraordinary. Um, we're yes. a Music City Roots affiliate station yes. at KKFI, and uh, you were on Music City Roots, I don't know, three weeks ago or Yeah, whatever. I did that short set. And so you had these players with you during that set, and uh, there was a moment when I was watching stream, the stream online where, um, you know, you were playing, and it was like you were looking around like, yeah. I can't believe this. Yeah, guys I know. I, I, I call it, I, they're called the Good Road Band. Yeah. Um, and I call it my Embarrassment of Riches Band. Yeah. Because uh, honestly, I'm surrounded by these incredible musicians. And I feel like a kid in a candy store. And I kind of feel like a conductor with a great orchestra. Because I like to, you know, our arrangements are loose. Uh, the format is open for soloing and extended improvisation. So uh, I sit there and go, oh. Well, Sam Bush, go. Got three trap, go. You probably don't Bush. even have to do that. You no, probably just take a look. It's and a nod. Give them a nod. It's and a nod know and do. a look, and and they're so good that they just do it. And so that you know that's uh, that's what that's the beauty of this whole thing. And and for me to uh, to have these guys as friends and and players in my band is is just uh, it's the ultimate situation. What's next? Um, what's next is dinner. <laughs> and a show tonight. and a show dinner and a show it's you know what I, I I have to keep my I you know what I can't even think about tomorrow morning it's right now right here and I there, that's all that matters well, personally I hope you stay in the lane that you're in right uh, now I have a feeling I can't get out of this lane yeah. anymore I think I've 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 really I've dug myself a hole that I really want to be in. Well, but with you know, with Americana roots music, yes, it's a that's pretty what I'm talking wide about. umbrella. I know that well, and that's you can why go I love in any it. direction, and that's one of the things that appealed to me about the Americana Music Association mm -hmm. when I first met Jed Hilly about you know five, six, seven years ago, when the association was just kind of really getting on its feet. Um, I in immediately sensed that here was a place, a format, a genre that was really open to a lot of different styles because I'm very eclectic. I like a lot of different yeah. things. So, uh, yeah, I feel that this, this, is, this is a great place That's to home. be. It's where I decided to uh, hang my hat as a broadcaster. I mm -hmm. mean, I grew up with R&B and mm -hmm. rock and roll in St. Louis, and uh, when I was given the opportunity to perhaps have a show, um, I thought nobody's doing Americana roots on our radio station yeah. particularly so I'm glad I kind of took that that road nine or ten Good years choice. ago and I, I would have never been able to sit here and be talking to John Oates if okay. it wasn't for that so thank you so much well, thanks for having take me take care of yourself hydrate and right. uh, we'll see you down the road <laughs> thanks a lot There's a long black train running on the side.
Oh, man. 